0: church say amen. amen all right all right that's enough fellowship on this right side let's get with it people <clears throat> all right grab your bibles grab your bibles and turn me to John 17 John 17 we're going to try to uh, uh, finish the lord's prayer uh, if you were not here two weeks ago we started this and it's been it's been two weeks so what what I thought about doing is like i usually do giving you all the answers we've already covered and then try to finish the last but it's been two weeks. Say amen. amen. How many of y'all have a problem remembering stuff after it's been two weeks? Okay. All right. Good. We're together. We're together. I, I do too. And so what, what we'll do, what we'll do, I just gave you a completely, the same outline with no answers on it. We'll go through it again, but we'll, we'll just skim through, not, not deal with as much time on the, 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 the beginning parts and then try to hunker around in the last part. All right. If that makes sense, say Amen. Okay, let me read a couple verses and let you sit down. I know because you're usually not thinking while you're having to stand. All right? Here we go. John 17, verse number 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth, and I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify Thou me or with Thine own self with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest them me, and they have kept Thy word." Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world. But these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now come I to thee. Say that with me. And now I come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Uh, Lord, with a great group of people uh, here to study your word. Lord, we are, we are in, in the area of the real Lord's prayer, the prayer that you prayed for us. Lord, you allowed us to step into the Holy of Holies and witness your intercessory prayer. And I pray as we study it tonight, we look at it, uh, 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 we go over again what we've uh, looked at before. I pray that you'll refresh our minds, refresh our memories, and I pray that you'll give us what we stand in need of today. Lord, we'll thank you for all that you've done and what we know you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you're here for the very first time, welcome to Temple Baptist Bible Study on Wednesday night. We take the Bible and we just go through a a book of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and and, and just study the Bible. Nothing fancy, just study the Bible. Learn in God's Word. And I tell you, it's my favorite thing. Say amen. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to bring you up to date where we are. We are once again on the way. We are on the way from the upper room headed toward the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is arrested. He is there praying in the garden, but before he gets there, he is spending some intimate time with his disciples, uh, time that they are desperately needing. He has, he has informed them that he's going to die. He's informed them of a traitor. He's informed them that they're going to they're be scattered. Uh, uh, it's just a, they, they are troubled and they are uh, broken, and he's encouraging them. He says in fourteen, John 14, let not. Your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. He's encouraging them. Now, he begins to give them advice and counsel and helping and, 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 and moving them toward where they need to be. Then we find here in John 17. We, we said two weeks ago, you know, we talked about the Lord's prayer. And everybody, we, we, we've heard all of our life, the Lord's prayer is our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But really, technically... Jesus could not pray that prayer because he has no sins to be forgiven of. Say amen. There's no trespasses in his life. He is guiltless. He is the sinless one. And so that's not really the Lord's prayer. That's really our prayer. That is the pattern of prayer that God has given his children to come to his Father when we have burdens, when we have needs, when we are able to go before the throne boldly, we come to our Father in heaven. Amen? 17 is really the Lord's Prayer. It is the Lord's Prayer. Now, uh, to help us understand what is taking place right here in this chapter, you got to understand that Jesus is beginning to take on the role of high priest. Now, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament... If you will go and study the Old Testament and look at the Old Testament Scriptures, you'll find out that when the the nation of Israel was in the wilderness, that God gave them uh, uh, the ability to meet with Him. He gave them the instructions that they needed so that they could meet with Him fellowship with him and be in his presence he gave them the the law he gave them the tabernacle he gave them the priesthood he gave them representatives that would work on their behalf and be a go-between for god and man in other words the high priest was the mediator he was the representative he was god's representative from god to the people and he was the people's representative from the people to god if that makes sense say amen Okay, so the high priest is their mediator. He's their representative. He is their go-between. One time a year, one time a year, could the high priest literally go into the presence of God? He would go and, and go through the holy place where the table of showbread was and the, and the, and the, uh, uh, the golden candlestick and the altar of incense. And he would offer that incense on the day of atonement in the holiest of holies, the holy of holies was filled with a cloud of incense so that he would be protected from the very presence of God. But he would be in the presence of God offering blood on the mercy seat for the sins of the people. But the way he would do it when he went in, he would first pray for himself, then he would pray for the priesthood, and then he would pray for all of the people. Y'all remember that? Say amen. That was the pattern. He would first pray for himself. Then he would pray for the priesthood, which would be the representatives to the people. And then he would pray for all of the people. Now, what is taking place here? Jesus is in transition moving. Now, we understand that he is the Lamb of God, right? He is the, the propitiation for our sins. He is the payment for the sins of mankind. He is our advocate. Amen. But he's also our high priest. And so now he begins that ministry. And so what took place? We said last time that the first the high priest would wash himself, put on the linen garment... <clears throat> So that he would not sweat. Sweat was connected to sin. First time we see sweat was in the book of Genesis when Adam sinned in the garden. And so uh, Jesus in chapter, I believe it's chapter 13, uh, uh, that he took a, a garment and began to wash the disciples' feet. And that is a type of what the high priest would do in the beginning. Then he began to pray. He would pray for himself. Pray for the representatives, and then pray for the people. Now, this is exactly the pattern that we see in chapter number 17. First, Jesus prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all of mankind, or basically all of the believers who would believe the message of the disciples. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, let's look at a few verses in our intro, okay? Let's look at a few verses in our intro. Hebrews 4.14 Hebrews 4.14, "...seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. When Jesus took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, he got hungry." Like we get hungry. He got thirsty like we get thirsty. He sorrowed. He was broken. He had tears in his eyes. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. He can feel our infirmities. It's not that just he knows us. Thank God I said last time he gets us. Amen. He understands our hurts. He understands our pains. He can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He is our high priest. He can relate to our sorrow. He can relate to our brokenness. He can relate to our needs. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 24, For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. What does Hebrews 9 teach us? Just as the nation of Israel had a tabernacle, they had a tent, a temple there where the high priest could go in into the presence of God to represent the people to God. That is exactly what Jesus... And by the way, the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the temple in Jerusalem, is just an earthly type of a heavenly reality. Are y'all with me? There is a holy of holies in heaven that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father as we speak right now fulfilling this ministry. Romans eight thirty four. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh, what's that word? Intercession for us. Hebrews 7, 25. Wherefore he is able to also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. First Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God. One mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 1 John 2, 1, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Preacher, what is the point? The point is that sometimes we celebrate and we praise and we worship and, we, and we, 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 we understand the fact that Jesus died for us. We always talk about that. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood, amen. Thank God for the payment. Listen, that's all great, and that's all wonderful, and we should, we should thank every day, we should thank God for the old rugged cross, amen. Thank God he died for our sin, but with that, We ought to thank God every day that he is not dead, that he is not in the grave, he is not in the ground. He is alive and well, living right now at the right hand of the Father, praying for you and me. You say, why should we be excited about that? Why should that get our attention? I'll tell you why. Do y'all remember when he was talking to Peter and Peter was a little full of himself? And P- Peter, he was a little bit too confident and a little too arrogant. And he told Peter, he said, Satan has desired to have thee that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. Some of y'all need to read your Bible. <clears throat> Are y'all with me? He said, Satan has desired to have thee. Satan wants to destroy you. Satan wants to steal from you. He wants to take your joy. He wants to take your potential. He wants to destroy you. He wants to devour you, but I have I pray for you. How many of y'all know the devil's still prowling? How many of y'all know the devil is still real? He is still roaring. He is still roaming. He is still going here and there looking for somebody to destroy, looking for one of God's children to take down. But guess what? Jesus is praying for you. Man. You know why that encourages me? Because Peter needed him to pray for him. Peter got them jaw marks in his backside. Are y'all with me? Peter did fall. The devil did get a hold of him. But guess what? It was through tears and through brokenness and through sorrow. But guess who stood on the day of Pentecost and preached and saw thousands saved? Guess who unlocked the door of salvation to the Jews in Acts 2 and the Samaritans in Acts 8 and the Gentiles in Acts 10? Peter. Guess who wrote some scriptures that we find in the Holy Bible today? Peter. You know why? Even after the devil had his way, even after the devil got his jaws on him, there was somebody praying for him. And I'm telling you, we ought to celebrate that fact. That Jesus is not only alive, but he's in the presence of God, interceding for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. I love hearing that. I'm telling you, I love hearing when somebody says, Preacher, I've been praying for you. Preacher, I pray for you every day. Preacher, I've been praying for this meeting. I've been praying for this, this, this whatever event we're, we're doing at the time. And, and, and I hear people... Man, that encourages the fire out of me. I love hearing that. I I love knowing that there are people that are consciously going to the presence of God on my behalf. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like knowing that the God of all glory, the creator of the uh, the whole universe, the one who spoke this world into existence, he's in the presence of of his Father praying for you. And what chapter 17 does, what chapter 17 does, it pulls back the curtain of the holy of holies, and allows us to step in to the presence of the Father and the Son, and we are allowed to sit in. Now I know some of y'all are excited about sitting in on other people's conversation. <laughs> on accident, right? But guess what? That's what we get to do. Jesus, and, and by the way, it's okay. I believe it's meant to be. I don't believe it's an accident that Jesus did his prayer then so John could be able to record it and write it down for our benefit. I believe there there, there was probably a lot of conversation that was just between Jesus and God the Father in Gethsemane when he was off by himself and, and, and the sweat became as great drops of blood. But this prayer was meant for us to hear. God wanted you to know this. God wanted you to know what your Savior is doing on your behalf as we speak. He didn't just die for us, he's living for us. Say amen. 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 All right, let's go through the outline quick. <clears throat> let's go through the outline quick. All right. First number one. You remember we said, remember we said there was three, there were three really uh, uh, sections of the ministry of the whole or, or the high priest. First, he would pray for who? Yeah. Himself. He would pray for himself. Then, secondly, he would pray for uh, the, the, the representatives or, or the, the, the priesthood, which the disciples represent. And then he would preach, he would pray for all the press of the people. And in this particular chapter, it's all of the believers that are going to believe the message of the gospel, so we'll say the church there, all right? So let's look at number one. He prays for himself. This is in verse one through five. Let's go. <clears throat> These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour hour's come. Glorify thy Son. That thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. With the glory which I had with thee before the world began. Or before the world was. Verses 1 through 5, he's praying for himself. There's four things I want you to write down that's in this part of this prayer. First, uh, uh, A, there is a reciprocation. There is a reciprocation. And, 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 And the word reciprocation means an exchanging of acts. He is saying this, Father, glorify me so I can... Come on, everybody. He says, Father, glorify me so I can... I can glorify you. Now, let's explain that. Let's explain that. For y'all that wasn't here a couple weeks ago. What is the the means means that that God is going to glorify his son Jesus Christ? It's going to be through Calvary. It's going to be through the cross. All right, say that with me. It's going to be through the through the cross. How is the Son gonna be glorified? Now remember when we use the word glorified. When we use the word glory, glorified. glorify, glorify mean, means to, to exalt, it means to make big, it means to, to praise and to honor, to lift up, uh, 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 to, uh, basically means make to look good, to, to, to magnify, uh, uh, to build up, and he's saying glorify me. Now how is the cross going to glorify Christ? I mean, the cross is a, it's really, that would be like saying in our modern day, that would be like saying, uh, uh, you know, people, we wear crosses around our necks. That's like wearing an electric chair around your neck. Because it was a means of execution for a criminal. And not just any criminal, the worst criminals. The worst criminals. It was not even allowed for a Roman citizen to be crucified. It was for the worst of the worst of the worst. And so how is that going to glorify Christ? I'll tell you how. The Bible says in John chapter number 3, he said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He says, I must be lifted up. As the serpent with Moses in the wilderness was lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I told you last time as we were sitting there, as we were sitting there uh, uh, on the mountain where they had the sermon on the mountain and and, and we were looking at the beautiful garden that they had there, I was standing in the parking lot looking at all the the buses coming in and all of the different flags and the different nationalities of all the people that were coming to Israel to visit the Holy Land, to visit it. Listen, They wasn't coming because of Abraham, and they wasn't coming because of David. They wasn't coming because of Samuel. They wasn't coming because of Ezekiel or any of the other prophets. They were coming because of Jesus. They wanted, hey, it was great. It was great to see the mountain, I'm telling you. It was great to see the mountain where where, uh, uh, the prophet uh, called down the fire and, and killed the prophets of Baal. That was really cool, I'm telling you. It was really neat to see that. It was great to see Caesarea and see the jail where they held Paul before he went to Rome. Man, it was great to see all that stuff, but I'm telling you, I wanted to go see where Jesus was. It is Jesus that is attracting all the people from Mexico and Russia and Asia and China and Korea and America and Canada. What's happening? Jesus is being lifted up. He is glorified through the cross. Now, how that's how God the Father glorified his son is through the process of Calvary and through the cross. So, how. Does that glorify the Father? How does that glorify the Father? Remember what we said. Because salvation and redemption is God's idea. Why? What, 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 is, the, what is the most well-known verse of all time? Somebody tell me. John 3, 16. What does it say? Oh, Who gave? That's right. Guess what? We know that. Do you know there is lost heathens that know that? God the Father is glorified through the process. And what Jesus is doing now, he's saying, okay, it's time. Okay, do what you've planned before the foundation of this world. Do what you know. Glorify me so I can turn around and glorify you. Church, say Amen. Reciprocation, reciprocation. All right, then B. <clears throat> Write this down. There was not only reciprocation, but there's a revelation. He teaches us what real eternal life is. We think it's golden streets, <clears throat> walls of jasper, gates of pearl, a mansion on the hilltop. I, I, when I was growing up, they used to sing that song. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below. Anybody remember that song? I was thinking as a little kid, not me. I want my mansion, amen. Anyway, I'm sorry. I want what the Bible says, amen. Anyway, anyway, what is eternal life? What is eternal life? Is it it just the fact that we're going to live forever and never die? I mean, what what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus giving the definition and defining what eternal life truly is? Look what he says in verse number 3. Verse number 3. Well, let's go back to verse 2. And thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give what? Eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. This is what makes life. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. It's kind of like this. Helen Keller said this. The only thing worse than being blind is being able to see with no vision. Now think about that. Think about that. Having eyes that work but have no vision whatsoever. Does this make sense? What is life? Life is not life without God in it. That's what he's trying to say. He said, Let me tell you about life. You want, we, 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 uh, when I was in, in, in South Carolina at Bible College, they used to sing this song, and I loved the song. I just started living. Man, it was kind of an upbeat song. Is Well, I just started living. I found me a brand new life. It changed my direction. All right, y'all with me? What's he saying? I thought I was living when I was drinking. I thought I was living when I was doing drugs. I thought I was living when I was running around. I thought I was living when I was going to clubs and doing all of this thing in the world. But when I got saved, I found out what real life was all about. Are y'all with me? Now, I was using the illustration. I didn't do all those things, but there are people that have. Amen. (laughs) I know what you think. You said you never. No, trust me. None of those things I've done. But it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. You can grow up in church and be a preacher's kid and not do none of that stuff and still be lost. Still be lost. And matter of fact, it's more dangerous, I think, to be religious and lost. But boy, when you when you find Christ and you, you, you experience that joy and that peace, you find out what life is all about. What's Jesus saying? It ain't life without God in it. Knowing God is life. Say, prove it. No problem. Easy. Easy. How is it possible for a missionary to go to a foreign field and leave riches behind? I got got illustration after illustration. Borden was a great, great illustration. He's the one that put in his Bible, no regrets, no return, you know, not, not, no, no reservation, all in for God. He died at a young age on, on, the, on, the, on the, the mission field, and he said, no regrets. How is it possible for somebody to go to a poor country, live on dirt floors with a thatched roof, and be happy as can be, and somebody to be in silk sheets in a mansion and commit suicide because they're so depressed and have everything because you can have everything. Every possessions and money and people and relationships. That's not life. What does he say life is? Knowing God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Church say amen. So we see a revelation. We see a reciprocation. Man, I gotta hurry. I'm doing it again. Uh see. We see a report. We see a report. Y'all ain't listening fast enough. Amen. A report. What does he report? He says, I've done, I've, I, I'm checking in. This is basically Jesus checking in with his father saying, Okay, I've, I did, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've finished, I've finished uh, my job. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have, what's that word? Oh, boy. Verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have, I have finished the work, which who gave me? Thou gave me. See, it was God the Father's idea. He sent his son. What did Jesus say when he was in the, in the temple, uh, confounding the wise, answering questions and asking questions, and his mom and, and, and family come and find him, What are you doing to us, man? You scared us to death. What did he say? Wish you not that I must be about my father's my business. Now, what is he saying? I got work to do. I got work to do. He even said this too. Later on, he said, I got to work while it is day. The night cometh. When the, what's he saying? I'm on a schedule i got stuff to do. Now in this prayer, you remember, you remember the first section, he's praying for himself. This is all about him and the Father. He's saying, look, I want to glorify you. I want you to glorify me so I can glorify you. And then he reveals what real life is. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. I was looking at that verse earlier, looking at, I think, point number two. And, and, and he's saying, that's real life. That's real life. It's not money. It's not possessions. It's not all that this world says you got to have. It's in a relationship and knowing God. Then we see this. He's reporting, I finished my work. He delivered the message he was supposed to deliver. He fulfilled the ministry he was supposed to fulfill. He has trained the men that he is supposed to train. They are now ready to do the job that God has called them to do. Church, say amen. Now, now, so he reports in. Then, then D, write this down. We see a request. There's a reciprocation. There's a revelation. There's a report in verse 4. In verse 5, there's a request. And now, and now, O Father, glorify thou me, what's that next word? With, what, he's asking for something. He's asking for something. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now remember this. Remember this. <clears throat> Let's go back to John 1.1. 1, 1. John 1, one. In the beginning was the? And the Word was with? And the Word was? The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. So, He's in the presence of God. He is God. Say Amen. There was, when, when, when he said, let us make man in our image, plural, our image. In the very beginning, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, all right? He was the Word, Logos, all right? Now, now, he is saying this. He is saying this. When, when, in verse 14, I believe it's verse 14, John one14 I'm pretty sure it's verse 14. It says, and the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, all right? right? That's when the incarnation took place. That's when deity took upon humanity. It is the great mystery. You say, was he half God and half man? No. Was he God or was he man? Yes. Don't catch that. He was all God, but he was all man. Amen. All God and all man. Now, I, last, last time we met, I put on a coat. I put on a coat. And that coat represented the glory that he had and that he shared with the Father. Are y'all with me? Amen? Remember in, in Philippians, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, in that glory, right? In that glory. And being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation. Now, what does that mean? That means, it said, thought it not robbery. What that means, he, he, if, you, if you break that down, that phrase literally means, it says, he did not think it was something selfishly to be held on to. What? The attributes of God, the glory. He laid it aside. Did he cease to be God? No, he was still God. But he voluntarily voluntarily laid aside the privileges and the rights that he has of God and lived as a human. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And what happened? What happened? Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And because of that, because of that, it says, but God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. You know what that is? You know what that is? That is an answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed here in 17 verse 5. Hallelujah. What is he saying? Give me back. You remember? He laid aside that glory, voluntarily lived as a human. He never did one thing on his own. He never healed one person on his own. He never performed one miracle without the permission and the direct will of his Father. Do you realize that's exactly what the devil was wanting him to do? When he was fasting in, the, you remember? When he was fasting in the wilderness, he's fasting 40 days, he was hungry. And the devil says, won't you, if thou be the son of God? Now now keep in mind, keep in mind, keep in mind that he's not saying if you are really who you say you are. Keep in mind the devil knows who Jesus is. That's not how that phrase is is, is laid out. What he is saying, let's put it this way, man, you're, you're the prince of heaven. You're God's son. Man, You what, what are you doing starving to death, man? Turn these stones into bread. You know what he was trying to do? The devil was trying to get Jesus to operate outside of the direct will and the direction of his father. And thank God he said, man should not live by bread alone. Oh, excuse me, excuse me, I missed something. It is written. Can't miss that. All three times he was tempted. All three times he came back and quoted the word. What's that mean? That's your weapon. And so he's, he while he was on this earth, he acted completely in the perfect will of his father. He lived as a human. He went to bed as a human. He got up as a human. He was hungry like a human. He was thirsty like a human. Are y'all with me? He was completely human. but He was completely God. Who had laid aside that glory. He walked around like a beggar. He walked around like a homeless person. They said, we want to go where you are. He said, foxes have holes and birds have nests. The son of man hath nowhere to lay his head. Had nothing. Made himself of no reputation. The Bible says that there was nothing beautiful about Jesus. Jesus. You know all these artists, artist renditions of Jesus, this good-looking dude with dark skin and all that? According to the Bible, there was nothing appealing about him. There was nothing appealing about his his appearance. There was nothing appealing. He completely made himself least and less than everything we desire to be. We desire to be pretty, we desire to be handsome, we desire to be attractive, we desire to be appealing. We want to have a reputation, we want everybody to think good of us. But Jesus denied himself of all of those things. And by the way, he stepped out of divine glory to walk that way. And now his mission is complete. And now this is, this is what he's asking in this verse. He's saying, God, give me back what I had before I came down here. So I wonder if God answered that prayer. Philippians says he did. God hath highly, what? Exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. What's that name? Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say amen. Amen. So he has a request. He prays for himself. Number two, number two, we got to hurry, we got to do it, we got to do it. Number two, he begins to pray for his disciples. He's saying, he's prayed for himself, said, let me glorify you, you glorify me, and I'm going to return that glory to you. Father, give me the glory that I had when I was with you before the world began. He says in verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. That, those men were those 11 disciples. You remember, Judas is gone. He's gone. He's, he's, he's working on the betrayal process. He's meeting with the, 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 the high priest and the Sanhedrin. He's, he's, he's doing all that behind. He's gone. But these 11 men <clears throat> that thou gavest me out of the world, thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have, what's that word? Believed. So what did it say? What does it say? In verse 6 it says they kept the word, and the Bible says in verse 8, they believed it, and that thou hast sent me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but I pray for them that thou hast given me, for they are mine, and all mine are thine, And thine are mine, watch this, and I am glorified in them. It says they have kept the word, they believed on me, and they are glorifying me. They are living their lives in a way that brings glory to me. So, what do we see when he prays for the disciples? First, we see a prayer of commendation. Write that word down. So, what's he doing? This is great. The very first thing he does when he prays for his disciples, when he talks to his father, he brags on his disciples. Y'all see that? Ladies, you want your husband to act a little better at home? Okay, you don't. Whatever. (laughs) Brag on him in public. See, y- y'all got it all backwards. The devil's done messed your philosophy and your, your 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 pattern of dealing with your husband. He's got you nagging and not bragging. <laughs> if you nag, you ain't gonna get nothing from him. But if you brag, it'll make him want to do more. That's the problem. Oh no, I can't get my husband to do nothing. listen listen, you don't have to tell him let, 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 brag and all the men say it. Amen. I'm trying to help you guys. get with me what is what is it about? what is it about hearing someone praise you, flatter you uh, uh, just just say something nice or or good job or an attaboy. boy I, I i was i was watching I was watching the ladies play. Uh, uh, softball last night. My, my daughter's playing on the Fairview side and and, and, and the Fairview uh, softball team, and 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 the other ladies, the Coleman ladies, on the other other field, and, and they started first. So I had to represent on both, and 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 I was going to represent the men too, but they was playing at the same time. Becky was, so they just bad luck. Say so amen. <laughs> well, I'm standing there, man. They'd get up and I'd holler, Woo And I, I mean, I like to. Lie, I, I, I I was just crazy. They didn't. They, they had no idea what had come to that softball field. Amen. But every time, they'd be in the batter's box and they'd be in the zone, man. I'm telling you, they had their game face on and serious. And, they, and they'd hear me holler their name because you could hear it all over the state. And you'd see. There's something about that. There's something about encouragement. and about And what is Jesus doing? He is bragging to his father in the presence of his disciples. What's the point? The point is this, Jesus thinks a lot about you. We've, we've, we've had these religious movements and religious speakers who preach in such a way that we think God's mad at us all the time and God's up in heaven with a lightning bolt waiting, just waiting for you to mess up. Come on, I got you now. I know it's going to happen. That's not Jesus. Jesus is saying, they believe me and they are glorifying me. Oh, Father, Father. Do y'all see this? Man, I'm telling you, this, this excites me. This is, and by the way, by the way, keep this in mind. He knows they're fixing the bail on him in just a minute. I mean, it's just a matter of hours that they're all going to, and one of them's going to cuss. That should help some of y'all here tonight. I need a witness. Right? One's going to deny him. They're all going to flee and bail on him. In just a matter of hours. Yet he's still bragging on him. Isn't that great? What's the point? When you mess up, get up. Don't waller around in your guilt and waller around in your shame. Listen, get up. I was watching... I was watching... Uh, uh, some of that NBA uh, game—I don't know if y'all watched it or not—but it was it was wonderful. <clears throat> anyway, I'm sorry y'all missed that right there. Uh, and they would call a foul on somebody, and most of the time uh, they didn't for the Cleveland side. They whined a lot, <clears throat> specifically. Uh, <clears throat> y'all still ain't getting it, man. <laughs> But but I, one one particular dude, I, I believe it was I believe it was Thompson. I believe it was Thompson. Uh, who's the Thompson on Golden State side? Blake Thompson. Blake Thompson. Yeah, Blake Thompson. Well, they called a foul, and this is what he did. And you know what? Got right back in the game. Here we go. He didn't go over. He didn't go over and say, "I'm a fouler. I'm a dirty rotten fouler." Oh, grab the screen, grab the camera, I'm a fowler, America, I'm a fowler. No, he just, it's me, and got back in the game. Say, why am I saying that? Because sometimes, do you realize the greatest tool that the devil uses is our own guilt and shame? But do you realize the Bible says the blood of Christ purges our conscience? purges our conscience from dead works that we may serve a living God. In other words, he washes our sin away. He, do you realize he knew every stupid thing you was going to do even after you were saved and saved you anyway? I mean, I, I think about this in my life. In my life, I was saved young. And, and, and every, you know, the worst thing I've ever done has been after I was saved. But God saved me anyway. He knew my mistakes. He knew my failures. He knew my issues. But he saved me anyway. He doesn't want you to go around with your lip hanging down. And and, and, and he wants you to know he's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's not before the Father criticizing you. He's before the Father commending you. But what if we mess up? He already knows that. That's why he says what he says in the next one. Look at this. Look at this. I don't know if it's helping y'all, but it's helping me. Look what it is. We see a prayer of commendation from verse 6 to 10. And then a prayer of concern, verse 11. Verse 11. We're going to finish, guys. I promise. I'm watching. I'm watching. Verse, Verse 11. Look at verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them... Now, remember, who's he praying for specifically? The disciples, all right? While I was with them, I... What's that word? I kept. I kept. That word means to watch, keep guard, to keep safe. Does that make sense? He says, while I was with them, I kept them in thy name... Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Oh, yeah, that just proves you can lose your salvation. No, that proves that that Judas was never converted to begin with. He was never a true believer. He He was never a true believer. Listen, all the true believers, Jesus has kept, and he's lost none. Say amen. Now, he's saying, now, while I was with them, I kept them. Now, who's he speaking to? His disciples. Primarily the ones who are, are believers at that point in time, right? Not, not the saved after Pentecost, but those that have believed at that time. He said, I've kept them. While I was here, I kept them. I watched over them. I kept them safe. I kept them right, all right? Now, watch this. <clears throat> Look what he says. Uh, verse 13. And now come I to thee. In other words, my, my physical presence is not going to be on earth anymore. I'm going to be in glory. I'm going to be in heaven. And now I come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. I should just keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Three, three things, <clears throat> three things that, that that Jesus is is concerned about. First, their security. First, their security. I don't know if that's a blank or not, but that's the answer. <clears throat> their security. He, in other words, he's saying, "Okay, I kept them while I was here, but I'm gone now. I'm going to be in heaven now. So now." Father, you keep them. You keep them. Now think about this a minute. Think about this a minute. How good do you think God the Father could be at keeping you? The one who dug out the oceans with his hand, meted out heaven with a span, knows every hair, on your head, the number of the grains of the sands of the sea and the numbers of the stars in the sky—that's the one keeping you. Now, I—we I, have this. I, I, I get into—I don't want to use the word debates because that usually ends up being arguments. But sometimes I have people who have been told, and that's primarily the reason they believe it's because they've been told that their whole life. They believe you can lose your salvation. Well, I I tell you, I would agree with you, I would agree with you if you're doing the keeping. Now, if you're doing the keeping, I would agree, I ain't got much confidence in that. You know why? Because I know me. If I was responsible for my keeping, I would be worried to death. But guess what? I have someone interceding in heaven right now, praying to the Father to keep me. Amen. Amen. Hurry, hurry. I did it again. I'm going to do it. Come on. Here we go. He's praying for their security. He's praying for their joy. Verse 13. Verse 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my, what's that word? Joy fulfilled in themselves. How many of y'all know God wants you to have joy in your heart? Amen. Amen. Let's let's move along. Move along. That's self explanatory. Verse 14. Verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world. And by the way, by the way, if you're saved, you're not of the world. You're not of the world. If you can go out in the world, in the world's culture, in the world's behavior, in the world's atmosphere, in the world's environment, and feel at home, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I remember the first party I went to. (gasps) Yeah, I did do that. I can remember it to this day. It was right after I graduated high school. I was 18 years old. I'm grown. Can stay out as long as I want to. 18 years old. I, I, I've got this image in my head right now. Got this image in my head right now. We pull in. There's there's cars everywhere. I'm telling you, you can hear the music coming out of the house three blocks away. I was with a buddy of mine. I graduated high school with. Running to another friend that was there and. And I'm telling you, they, it, it was like you would think on TV. They was partying. I'm talking about they was getting it on. And I'm, 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 the whole time I'm in this car coming down this road hearing that music thinking, you idiot. <clears throat> what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, there was the Holy Spirit in my head. What, what are you doing? You ain't got no business down here, no business whatsoever. Get out the car and I'm going with them. I'm going with them. I'm going to this party. Man, I get in that house. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I felt, I felt like an alien. I'm telling you, I felt so uncomfortable. I felt so out of place. I'm telling you, it, 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 I told her. I said, dude, I can't take this. I said, I, I, I got to go. I tried to play it off like it, the music was too loud and all that kind of stuff because I wasn't near spiritual as I should have been at the time. But I felt so out of place. I said, man, we got to get out of here. Let's go go do something else. And the whole time, I'm, I'm saying that to say this. If you can go out into this culture and into this world and this environment and it not bother you and you feel like a fish out of water, there's something wrong. Because Jesus said, if you belong to him, you are not of this world. You're going to be different. You're going to think different. You're going to act different. You're going to look different. Now watch what he says. Verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. How many of y'all know we can't can't go up on a mountain and and put a fence around us and, and, and wait till Jesus comes? How are we going to be salt and light? How are we going to make an impact on our environment if we do that? There are people, there are people that are isolationists. I believe in separation, but I don't believe in isolation. Are y'all with me? And what Jesus is saying, he said, don't take them out because they got a job to do. They got some witnessing to be doing. They've got, they've got to tell this whole world. They've got to take the gospel to every creature. He said, but oh God, keep the world out of them. I tell you, that's what's wrong with a lot of churches today. Uh, ain't it amazing how religious the world's gotten? Ain't it amazing how every politician in the state of Alabama was a, a born-again Christian? You ain't never heard of them before in your life. <laughs> Did y'all notice that? The world has gotten so churchy. And the problem is the church has gotten so worldly. But what Jesus is saying I don't want you to take them out of the world because they have to make a dent in the world. They have to influence their world. But keep the world out of them. That is the process of what we use, sanctification. Write that down. That's C, or number three. He was concerned about their security, their joy, and their sanctification, their sanctification. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. What is truth? Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. And for their sake, sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Now what Jesus is saying is, I have separated myself completely, wholly, 100%, totally to do the will of my Father. And I did that. So that they could be sanctified. What do we, what do we say the word sanctified mean? I, I, I was always told, I was always told that sanctified means cleaning up. When you get saved, you get saved, that's salvation, and then God puts the the, the, the Clorox to you. That's the old timers, what they say. That's God cleaning you up, but that's not exactly accurate. That's not exactly accurate. That's not sanctification. Sanctification means set apart. Exclusively for the use or the purpose of one. In other words, if we're sanctified, we're set apart for the purpose and use of God. You remember the illustration I gave last week or a couple weeks ago? I've got a cup. I've got a cup that two staff members bought me. It's got my name on it, the Rev. Say Amen. The Rev, not Brandy, not McKenzie, not Jordan, not Becca, not even Tammy. The Rev, right? What does that mean? It is sanctified. It is set apart. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all know that goes nowhere at my house? It is only supposed to be used by the one who owns it. And what, what Jesus is saying is every day I want you to become more and more and more completely exclusive to Jesus and the Father. Separate them. How do we do that? How do we do that? Thy Word. Now, what does that mean? What is, oh, oh, two minutes. Here, here, quickly, quickly. Look at me, look at me, look at me. The more you read the Bible, the more you're going to love God, and the more you're going to hate sin. And the more you read the Bible and the more you get the Word of God in you, the more you're going to want to do His perfect will for your life. And the more you're going to want to abstain from the worldly things and from from the things that are are, are detrimental to your spiritual growth. Does that make sense? Amen? Amen? All right, now, he's praying for the church. Number three, number three, number three, number three. All right, you ready? Verse 20, quick, quick, quick. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That means you and me. It means all the saved who's believed the gospel and they believe the message of the disciples. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. <clears throat> that they all also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be, what's that word? One, even as we are I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect. The word perfect means complete. Completed. Completed. In that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and I hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Watch this. Watch this. We see our function. Verse 20 through 23. He prays for the church. He prays for our function. There's a lot of people that go around today and try to use these verses. Try to use these verses to... Uh, promote the idea that, that, that we don't need any denominations. We don't need any denominations. Uh, 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 we should just all be the same. Now, they're half right. They're half right. I don't believe in denominations. I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe everybody's right. I don't believe everybody's right. If I thought the Catholics were right, I'd be a Catholic. If I thought the Presbyterians were right, I'd be a Presbyterian. If I thought the Lutherans were right, I'd be a Lutheran. If I thought whatever, Pentecostals, charismatic groups, if I thought they was right, that's what I would be. I believe that we are the closest to what the Scripture teaches in sound biblical doctrine. That's why I'm a Baptist and believe in, in believing Baptist doctrine. But my point is this. My point is this. I don't believe, do I have brothers and sisters in Christ that believe other things? Yes, without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt. I've got got several that's in different denominations. I'm really good friends. I believe they're saved as can be. Born again, saved, but we do not preach the same truths. There are different beliefs. And, And getting everybody in this hodgepodge and just put them all in one bowl and make a community pot of tea don't work. It don't work. I've heard people say, well, we're a non-denominational church. What that means is you're charismatic and you just don't want to admit it. That's just, it it is what it is. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not saying let's just all come in one building and all call us the same. What he's talking about here, this prayer has been answered. This was answered in Acts chapter number 2 on the day of Pentecost. And then in Acts chapter number 8. And then in Acts chapter number 10. What he is saying as one, we want them to be one. Who? Us. Like us. What did Jesus say? Like us. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Who are they? God. They are three in one. Do you realize at this point in time? At this point in time, there was a separation, there was a divide in the people. There were Jews. They were Samaritans and they were Gentiles. They were full-blooded Jews. The Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile. And the Gentiles was all Gentile. Are y'all with me? In Acts chapter number 2... Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and the Jews received the gospel and believed in Christ and were saved. Thousands of them were saved. Then the gospel moved to the Samaritans in Acts chapter number 8 and the Samaritans believed and were added to the church. And then in Acts chapter number 10 with Cornelius, the Gentiles were saved and brought into the church. Now they are not separate people. They are all not Jew, not Samaritan, not Gentile, but we're all three the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Let me prove it. Let me prove it. Look, 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 look. Hurry, 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 hurry. <clears throat> Ephesians 4 4. There is how many bodies? How many spirits? Even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, are one, so is what? What did Jesus say in that prayer? I want them to be like... What does that say they are? The church, the body of Christ. So also is... Christ, verse 12. For by one spirit are we, what's that word? All, Jew, Samaritan, Gentile, baptized into how many bodies? Whether we be, or, whether we be, or, have been made all to drink into one spirit. No more separation. No more divide. No more veil to keep us out. We're all together one. I don't have to have a high priest. I don't have to have a rabbi. I can go into the presence of God because I'm a part of the body of Christ. I am the church. Say amen. That they might be one. Acts 2, the Jews. Acts 8, the Samaritans. Acts 10, the Gentiles. After that, the church was complete. It was complete. And what's the the word we use in this this, this prayer? Perfect. Finished. Complete. Church, say amen. Amen. And then he prays this. Let me just throw it in because I'm like four minutes over time. He He says, and Lord, Father, I want them to be where I am. You know how I know I'm going to heaven? Cause Jesus asked permission for me. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, we really didn't have that much, and uh, we had some friends that was kind of kind of wealthy, had a fish pond and a swimming pool. I mean, had all the stuff a little fella would love. Say, man, even a go kart. <clears throat> And this friend, anytime we wanted to go, we knew that this friend knew we had none of that stuff. So what we would do is say, hey, man, you want to come stay at our house? He said, no, won't y'all come stay at our house? Okay. (laughs) See, we were even devious back then, amen? But what would he do? What would he do? He'd go to the authority. And say, can Malcolm and Joe come to the house tonight? Yeah, tell them, come on over. You know what Jesus is doing right here? Father, can my friends come over? Can they come home with us? Can they experience the glory? Y'all ain't getting this. Now, I got God bumps on my neck a hog about right now. Y'all don't write. Let me read it. Let me read it. I see the way you're looking. Look, look here. Look here. Look here. Verse 24. I'm done. Oh God, they're gonna kill me in the back. Watch this. Watch this. Father, what colors you writing? Who's talking? Who's he talking to? His father. Father, I will that they. Who is they? That's all the believers. Remember, all the ones that's gonna believe the message of the disciples. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, read it. Say it again. And where he be? He's at the right hand of the Father. Not only that, let me finish it. Yeah, yeah, let's just get it all while we're here. I'm already in trouble. Let's just get it. Amen. Watch this, I will that they also who thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Wow. I don't think you can know you're going to heaven. Oh, I do. I'm, I'm sure of it. You know why? You know why? Because the mediator, the intercessor, the friend that sticks closer than the brother has invited me for a stay over. <clears throat> How many of y'all are excited about that? All right. Come on, stand up. Yeah, give him praise. Give him praise. Now, look, we're going to pray. And if you got youngins, you run to get them. It's the only time you run in church. Amen. (laughs) Lord, thank you for all.